What is reconciliation to you? You know, reconciliation is a big word, and everybody, generally, they think it's coming from the top. But real reconciliation will come from the ground. It'll come from the people, the residents in the community, the citizens, the children and the families that live and breathe and work and play in these communities. And so it's really how do we tap into that energy? Roundhouse Radio has explored truth and reconciliation between First Nations and non-First Nations from multiple perspectives. From residential school survivors. If I didn't go through you know, the residential school system, I would have had no understanding and how could I help my people? To intergenerational survivors. My parents didn't have parents to give them proper relations. Now, we move forward. What does reconciliation look like? What work is being done to improve the lives of Aboriginal people and foster a better relationship between diverse cultures and through various levels of government? These are big questions, and the search for answers has taken me all over this city. Premier Christy Clark hosted her second annual reconciliation meeting with First Nations leaders this fall. She said that it's time for First Nations to become equal partners in BC's economy. But Grand Chief Stuart Phillip of the Union of BC Indian Chiefs says there are still big legal and historical issues standing in the way of reconciliation at the provincial level. One of which is how does BC move forward economically now that First Nations have begun establishing Aboriginal title in the courts? Clearly the Chilcotin decision has um, said from the Supreme Court of Canada that uh, Indigenous peoples do hold title to the land and resources within the province of British Columbia. Uh, The Clark government doesn't get that. Aboriginal title is a legal term, referring to a First Nations collective right to the use of and the jurisdiction over their traditional territories. Title becomes extinguished after the signing of a treaty. But since there are only a handful of signed treaties in BC, almost all of the province, including Vancouver, is sitting on unsettled traditional First Nations territory. The city of Vancouver has declared this unceded Coast Salish territory. So everywhere on Vancouver, they're occupying illegally on our territory. Christy Lee Charles is a young Coast Salish woman from the Musqueam and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. We've been living here for 10,000 years. Archaeological evidence brings my people back, brings my family back here in Vancouver. The reason why I wear this labret piercing is because there's been belongings unearthed from 70th and Granville that are labrets that our people wore 2,000 years ago. Now, acknowledging that Vancouver is on unceded Coast Salish territory does not mean that non-First Nations people should or have to leave. Well-known Aboriginal activist Wab Canoe, who's the author of the number one best-selling book, The Reason You Walk, says that we as a country need to learn how to operate on a land that is now shared by both Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. If reconciliation is to be realized, it'll probably... um turn out in a similar kind of way, where we have both Indigenous nations and the Canadian state able to occupy the same space at the same time. We're years, if not decades, away from that being reality, right? Like It's going to take power sharing and revenue sharing, and it's going to take the more personal, on-the-ground type of reconciliation of getting to know one another before that can be a reality. But I do think it is possible. I do think, you know, that, you know, the Musqueam and the Squamish and the Tsleil-Waututh, if it's in keeping with their values, 
they can have a part in governing Vancouver and, you know, helping to set the overall direction for this part of the world. And one hereditary chief from this part of the world, Bo Dick, says that it's important to respect the cultural and ancestral connection that First Nations people have to the land and honor the true history of Vancouver. Well, I'll tell you a story about Vancouver. There's a beach they call Kitts Beach. Now, there used to be a little village there, 17 houses. And at one time, those people were driven off that beach. They were put on a barge and pushed out to drift away, and they didn't care where they, what happened to those people. There was one man who refused to go. They shot him. That's a legacy that Vancouver should remember. Putting aside the dark history that Vancouver, BC, and Canada was built on, we have come a long way towards restoring the relationship between First Nations and the rest of Canada. A prime example is Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's Minister of Justice, Jody Wilson-Raybould, Canada's first Indigenous Justice Minister. And their families have a history that paint a bigger picture of the country. A generation ago, Jody's father, Bill Wilson, sat across the table negotiating with Pierre Trudeau to include Aboriginal title and rights in the Canadian Constitution, which then set the stage for the reconciliation talks we have today. I thought a lot about 1983 when my dad sat across the table from his father, and our country was at a different point in time then. And I think that Justin Trudeau and I together in the same government reflects how our society is moving forward, how it's evolved, and how fundamentally at this point in time we will set the stage uh, for true reconciliation with Aboriginal people, but ensure that um, we're a country that embraces diversity and, and embraces ideas. We've looked at the provincial government. We've looked at the federal government. Both are open to implementing recommendations out of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's final report. But what is going on on the ground right now? What work is being done to address the immediate social issues facing at-risk youth and First Nations families living in poverty? The issue is this, is that you got a lot of policies and a lot of statements done at the provincial level, which actually don't really mean a whole lot in the ground. And it generally it takes you know incredible amount of time if it even gets to the ground. And what we need to recognize is we got some very serious issues right now in the ground in the community. These things we can work on while our political leaders are battling those battles there down at this level that we're working at, we can build the capacity of our children and our families so that perhaps one day down the road they'll take their role in that struggle as a chief or a leader of one way, shape, or form to continue that struggle against uh, the province and the feds. That's Scott Clark, Executive Director of the Aboriginal Life in Vancouver Enhancement Society, or ALIVE. ALIVE has developed numerous strategies and holistic frameworks to deliver services in the inner city in a new way. They work with other grassroots community partners to nurture the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being of at-risk youth and families, all within the lens of reconciliation in action. And they've been doing this for a very long time. Now we're at a place where these big provincial organizations are now saying, yes, we have a model that is working in Vancouver's inner city, the most challenged economic uh, area code in this country. And if we can do that without any government support, what could we do when we get more buy-in and with the appropriate backbone support? So in essence, what we're doing 
is, and I often tell people this, in essence what we're doing is we're working to assimilate our non-Aboriginal brothers and sisters. Do you see reconciliation happening or finding some sort of good ground by the end of your lifetime? You know, it, it's, it's, it's a tough one because you have to remember uh, um, 1925 is when our population bottomed out and then ever since 1925 we've been rebounding. We're the fastest growing ethnic group uh, in this country, uh, in this province and in this city. We've got more people that have graduated from universities and colleges today than, you know, in 1960 we had one person. We've got more Supreme Court victories under our belt right now, including the most recent one, the the Williams uh, uh, Supreme Court decision, where they finally recognize Indigenous title to unceded territories. So when you look at things from that lens, um, you can pull yourself back and say, you know what, I'm one citizen, uh, I'm Salish in my case, uh, I have a role to play, uh, as does everyone else, uh, be it Indigenous or non-Indigenous, I'm going to do what I can as my contribution to the overall struggle. It's going to take generations before we get where we need to go, but in the meantime, there are a lot of things we can do to, to help our most vulnerable get to a place where they can take their place at the table and, and continue the struggle, if we have a struggle left to continue. Roundhouse Radio has explored truth and reconciliation on the unceded Coast Salish territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations and featured music from the native hip-hop group Mob Bounce. Thank you to all the interviewees who took part in this series. In the spirit of truth and reconciliation from the Wet'suwet'en Nation, I'm Trevor Jang.